What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. I am Nick Malone with another solo edition. I will be discussing the close, sketchy win that was on Wednesday against the UIC Flames. Some short takeaways from that. You know, usually it's the what happened in other games around the Valley, but, we, you know, there's all different kinds of news in the Valley this week that I will try to touch on with some articles by some people talking about certain situations, one in particular, but definitely one that impacts next season, not in the same frame one bit, but I'll dive into those. Um, Pro Saluki is to get to where Kennard Davis is going to be this weekend, uh, and then we will talk about the upcoming games tomorrow and, or I guess this weekend, and then I'll get into the second preview of the Drake Bulldogs. Before I do all of that, I want to discuss some more news that had come out. Actually, it was it was yesterday. It was announced, we recall, talking about the Bradley game on the other episode about how it's on ESPN2. It's a big deal. Well, there's a lot going on on that Sunday day, as we know. That is Mardi Gras Day, and that is what will be celebrated at Banterra Center that day as well. Mardi Gras celebration. They're talking about with the doors opening at 1130. They're going to have... Uh, concert. I think they said there's going to be the, yeah, the SIU School of Music are going to be on the Charles Cellini Pavilion, a jazz ensemble uh, performing. Obviously, we know it could be, and you know, tie this into kind of how New Year's Day was with the drinks. They're not too specific on that, I don't believe so far, uh, but they could very well have those kind of drinks, those kind of whatever to get people in. We talk about the crowd that was in New Year's Day. It was incredible. Hopefully, we can. You know, bring in this one. Not only obviously people are going to the game, but if people can't go, it's ESPN two. It's just a big deal nationally. Uh, Going to have a big home court advantage this game, and there. Not only is it Mardi Gras and everything celebrated ESPN two, but this is also going to be the celebration of the two thousand two Sweet Sixteen team because they're going to have. I, we I think we already we did. We kind of saw maybe a leaked uh, picture of what the poster they're going to be giving out is. Bruce Weber is going to be there. Bruce Weber is actually a Big Ten studio analyst, if anyone has seen him around the Big Ten network. Uh, Kent Williams, the great Kent Williams. We actually saw someone wearing some girl wearing his jersey this past uh, game. The great Jermaine Dearman as well. Or the, Among the confirmed attendees, approximately 2,000 posters will be available, and they'll be signing autograph posters, meeting fans and stuff. So it's going to be... An incredible, incredible day that day, a 1 o'clock game. So many people need to show up for this. We talked about, you know, why our previous Sunday. If, you, if there's church things, people have to deal with that day, you know, and, and the inconvenience of a afternoon Sunday game. But hoping a lot of people can make this one. So a lot of cool things going on. Uh, there's going to be 5,000 beads. I mean, it's, it's stuff we'll talk about when we get to this point, uh, previewing the game. But Mardi Gras, just wanted because that was announced yesterday. That it was going to be that way, and you know, on the next one, we'll also preview, not really preview, I guess, but discuss how great that 2002 team was. And I guess I could touch on it a little bit now because we, you know, we're so caught up. And you know, I was six years old in 2002, so was fond of it. Went to games all the time, obviously, but you know, it wasn't as it didn't hit me as hard as being 11 years old for the 2007 team. Uh, and we talk about the 07 team all the time, but you know, pound for pound, I want to say, with the Hall of Famers, with everything, and 07 team had those kinds of Hall of Famers as well, equally as much. The 02 team is arguably the best team in SAU history outside of 07 and outside of 67 with Walt Frazier and the NIT. 02 did the same things as 07, Sweet 16, but they were stacked, and they were just from top to bottom stacked. So we'll go through that roster again on that preview when we talk about that team, and it's a team we should honestly talk about more. You know, I, I think it's kind of pushed off to the side in terms of talking about it from those seven. So, incredible team. And like I said, we'll dive into all that when we preview Bradley in that ever-important game here in just a week or so from now. So, let's dive into this sketchy game that was, uh, you know, it was typical. You know, same starting five. UIC coming, coming in here for the first time. Luke Yaklidge. Uh, and they were coming off that Evansville win, and they've been fighting all season, as we know, and close defeats, and knew they were talented. And we saw that at times in this game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, Jace Carter is every bit of All-Valley team member. 
Uh, we're talking about his free throws, and we're talking at and, you know at the end of the game, you know he was able to make some clutch free throws in general. I think that the only reason I say that is because I think it's maybe the uh, the um, only con of his game. You know he's he's so good at everything else. We'll get to everything else he did, but. They're talented, no doubt about it. Okani, he was wanting the Marcus matchup. It seemed like he and he was getting in foul trouble in this game. But and we'll get. I mean, and I mean, I, I guess I'm starting out this not really going through much of the play by play. I mean, it was one of those games that we were up eight nothing, you know, and they started to do whatever. We saw a lot of. I mean, the biggest thing of the saw. I mean, Marcus had two threes, you know, to get us to eight points at that time. Uh, you know, it was kicked off by Lance, who had a layup to start out with. So a decent start from Lance. He actually had different hair he was styling in this game. Uh, was good to see Clarence get going a little bit. We'll get to in terms of like defensively, he had some steals throughout this. Uh, we'll uh, or a block, excuse me. We'll get into uh, actually the only points that he had in this game, but it was a, mainly Marcus and Lance to kick to start this because I mentioned Marcus's two threes and Lance's Lance's layup after Skoball. Hit a three that made it eight to five. Lance had a layup. Marcus jump shot. Lance two free throws. And then here it is. It was all Marcus and Lance until Scotty Abube came in the game. And what do you know? He is every bit as active. And on this play here, whenever he was running down court, you see him run the floor. I, Scotty has unmatched effort. And seeing him run down at his size, we've talked about it a lot. Incredible. And, you know, we were on the fast break seeing him run. We're going to reward a guy. He was playing. I, I remember he got a stop on defense on the other end, running down the floor. Marcus hit him for a dunk over skull ball. And I think Okani was underneath um, as well. I mean, it was just we, we talked about how J.D. and Clarence kind of play underneath the rim, around the rim. Scotty's going to dunk it. Every chance he gets, for the most part, he's going to dunk it. And it was an amazing finish on two bodies in transition uh, that Marcus found him. and then, and then it was a lot, a lot more. We were doing a lot of high lows to Scotty, and he was able to, you know, shove guys to the ground. I want to say this might have been the one whenever it was a flop that they didn't call. They didn't call anything, and he was able to get an easy dunk. Uh, he was just scoring at will. And then here we go at, you know, 8.50 mark when Clarence came back in. He made a three. I want to say it's his only uh, – he's only probably made – remember the – I don't think he's he, – I think he made a three – at Murray, could be wrong. I don't think so. I th want to say the last three he made was against Cal Baptist in November. So I'm not sure. I'm not looking at it at the moment to know. But he hit his three. Those were his only points of the game. It was when we were yelling at the time, make the extra pass, because I think Trent was wide open the top of the key, and he just pulled from the left wing, and he made it. It looked good off the, it looked good off his hand. And, you know, we talk about he's really the only one that should be able to stretch the floor out of all of our bigs, counting K. We talked about K maybe improving on that next year. All of them need to. Definitely Clarence, though. Clarence isn't the prototype big or a prototype five. He needs to be able to be that kind of stretch four along the course of his career, we're thinking. So it was a nice shot. I kind of, like I said, off the off his hand, I felt like uh, it was going in. It was good release and good arc on it. So he made that. Okani matched him. So they were kind of hang, hanging with us a little bit. They cut it to four after Jace Carter had a layup after he got an offensive rebound. We were really bad at that throughout this whole game. But definitely at this point, Marcus was getting bullied by Okani a little bit, got blocked. Then they cut it to four again off of his layup. It was a lot of back and forth. Well, I say that after he got the block, they had back-to-back um, -back offensive rebounds by Okani, and, and he was able to tip him in. So four-point game, Jawan made a three. I believe that was on the left wing. So it was really Okani doing a lot of work here, offensive boards and scoring. He had a layup right after that. Christian Jones came in, played well. He was He was, or he started, I believe. And he, you know, he'll, he's active. We talked about, we'll get into, you know, uh, Stephen Clay came in. He, he was good against Evansville. Didn't do a whole lot in this one. But Christian Jones, we were talking in the moment, like, rather have, you know, Marcus guarding Clay when he came in because Clay wasn't as active offensively as Christian Jones was. And he was looking to get points, and he had a layup here. Cut it to three at the under four. And then uh we actually had a turnover out of the official timeout and then jd had a layup assisted by marcus up five jd had a steal throughout this x had another really bad turnover i want to say i want to say this whenever he was trying to tip it uh save it from out of bounds and tried to tip it twice and went right to him and then they got 
points on the other end. So three-point game, Marcus made two free throws. That Okani fouled him out. I mentioned he was kind of in foul trouble. Like I said, Okani wanted the Marcus matchup in this one. Uh, then luckily, Jace missed a free throw. X got it, and X actually was able to make a three right before half to make it an eight-point game at halftime. So, like I said, it was kind of sketchy there at times. Our effort was lacking, for sure. I remember tweeting that it was kind of just a eh kind of first half in terms of that effort. And, uh, you know, obviously, when they were able to make it close, we were able to kind of, you know, go back at them a little bit and get the benefit on some fouls, and Marcus's free throws helped. And uh, so the stats at halftime, Marcus had 12 Four of seven shooting, three rebounds, two assists, no turnovers for Marcus at half. X and Lance had combined six of our um, eleven. This is the starter. We had a lot of a lot of turnovers in this game, ha- and halfway led by them at the break. Uh, JD had one. Dalton had Dalton came in. We'll get to him. Did not play well in this game. Dalton did, but Scotty four points. So I mentioned. And that's going to end up being half of what he got total. So it was just nice to know that we we saw Scotty again. You know, we'll only see him really one time. If you know, we saw him in garbage time against Missouri State, but if he gets in early in the game, we usually we'll only see him once. So it's good to see him coming again the second half. I'll get two, but X three points on that final three. Lance had eight, and then so Clarence X and Jawan were all uh, you know owning those threes. That's all they had been doing, and six total off the bench with JD and Scotty. So. Uh, but the 11 turnovers were the thing, and that'll be the main point of the whole game. We were out rebounding them 17 and nine, and only five to three in their. And, I mean, five offensive rebounds is a lot given up, but we had three ourselves, so that wasn't too crazy. They did have five steals though, so a lot of that led to our turnovers. Uh, we did. We talked about them being, uh, you know, tops and blocks in the league, and they were. They had uh, three to our four, so we had four blocks in the first half, so it's pretty. They did not lead in this half. They were shooting 37%. We were shooting 62%. Usually we have 15 to 23s in a first half. Uh, I say on average we only shot 10 in this one, and we were five of 10, and then perfect from the free throw line at four for four. So, you know, and they had nine more shots in this thanks to those turnovers. Uh but they were. We talked about it going in. They're going to throw up a lot of stuff, and they're just going to see if it goes in or not. So thirty-seven percent to sixty-two. You'd say, okay, yeah, up by eight. That's reasonable with that with those kind of stats. So um, we did. I mentioned the tweet giving credit to their defense at times, but I remember saying at the end of that, don't let them even think they have a chance in this latter half. So uh, jumping into that second half now, I mean, it was kind of you know a lot of um, you know they. We actually, I mean, we got a hold of them. We, we cut it to 10 right out of the break. Marcus had a layup. Uh, it was kind of back and forth, I guess. Jace Carter had a layup. O'Connor got a three. So next thing you know, actually, it was a five-point game. Uh, Clarence came in, had a turnover. Uh, Trey, Trey Anderson, who we knew had like a 29-point game recently, came in. Didn't do a whole lot. Like he, he did some parts here in the second half. Uh, this was the J. He went one of two. Jace Carter, I mentioned his free throw shooting from the... But one of two at this point, I mean, they were still getting offensive rebounds. Before that, we were able to finally get defensive rebounds. Um, and oh, it was at the end of a shot clock. I remember this one at this one. Marcus tried to force up a three. Christian, Blown, Christian Jones blocked him. There was a point when me and O were talking about the first half whenever end of the shot clock. And Marcus actually finally had a step back three where he got enough separation with his shot angle and got a three and made it. So I missed that one in the first half, so that was notable. At that point, Christian Jones got a layup, cut it to two at 16.46, so it wasn't looking great. Luckily, Lance got fouled, made a couple free throws. J.D. had a layup that Marcus found him on. Uh, Now up six, Jace Carter came back, back to four. Jace Carter went, actually he finished an and one, sorry, after the media. Lance missed a bad three, uh, and then Scoball tied the game at 41 at the 15-minute mark. Uh, on a three. He's a, he's a nice pick-and-pop guy. He's a nice player. Can't lie. Uh, Troy had a nice reverse layup when he when he drove baseline again. And then Marcus had a layup, so we're back up four. Marcus finished an and one, actually. JD a layup. Marcus kept finding JD in perfect spots. JD had a... I mean, he was great Missouri State. He had great moments in this one as well. So the lead was back up to seven. Then there wasn't a whole lot. You know, Marcus... We talked about his turnovers and his bad passing. A lot of it is his turnovers on bad passes, but, you know, like I said, O'Connor was getting in on him, and he was, I guess, trying to take advantage of other matchups, like Stephen Clay stole it from him, but Marcus was trying to do too much, you know, and 
kind of be the aggressor that he should have been against Bradley that he was in this game. Uh, so he would just lose the ball randomly on a spin move or lose it on honestly anything. And it's, it's surprising when it happens. He kind of just flails. The next thing you know, they're out in transition. And that's one thing in this game, which I forgot to add to the notes that hit me in the moment now, how awful our transition defense was. At this point, at times in the first half, and it got worse here in the second, did not get back on defense. And they were just pushing it, getting easy layups on that end. So it was a pitiful effort in that regard. Wasn't a whole lot going on. Troy went one of two from the free throw line. Could have had it 10. It was, it was or nine, excuse me, it was eight. Scotty had another dunk. This was, I think, a, a uh, this was when Troy found Scotty back door for a dunk that made it that 10-point lead. Christian Jones went perfect from the free throw line. Scotty fouled him. Uh, and then Scotty had a dunk. Pretty sure this went one of those high lows. And that's what Marcus is a great high low passer. It's funny because we I remember talking how good Anthony Diabonzo was on the high low in his two years previously, and even Kyler at times last year. But Scotty he uses his size and his ability to separate right underneath the rim to catch a pass and just immediately go up with it. And I'll get into him here in a second at the end of the takeaways of his impact and what he's done in the games he's played in this year. So Trent, like we said, Trent hasn't shot a whole lot of free throws in his whole career, let alone this season, obviously. He did make two, though, made it a 12-point game. Uh, and then and then Troy made a three. This is what the point. Nine minutes, 15-point lead. Christian Jones made two free throws. Jace Carter, two free throws. Marcus smashed him at one point with a layup, so it's still 13. Uh, Trey Anderson here hit one of those threes. Marcus, two free throws. We'll get into a point that other people have been making, and it's true, even though there's one outlier. When Marcus makes a lot of and shoots a lot of free throws, he has a good game, and that usually means we win. Uh, Jaden Brownwell came in the game, made a three. I think that was one of their bigs. Um, Jawan, one of two from the free throw line. Uh, Jace Carter, here, here's their run right here. It was whenever we were up by 10. Jace Carter, layup. Uh, Brownwell, another three. I, I say he was one of their bigs. I'm not sure if he was. Uh, Trey, layup. So next thing you know, it's a three-point game. And then Jace Carter went one of two from the free throw line. Troy fouled him on. Uh, and then... X got a rebound, got it to Lance. He, was, he got fouled by Christian Jones. Christian was... Uh, emotional on some of these fouls because honestly, probably got away with them. And I'll get to some here at the very end. We there might have been these, uh, but there were other ones. I think Lance shot that uh, got bailed out on. It wasn't so. It was these two minute mark. Uh, he made it a four point game. Trey Anderson came back with a three up one, a minute and a half. So it's like, okay, dude, you're up fifteen. I know there's nine minutes left, but here's one of those lulls again. This was and we'll. Just by the end of this is one of the worst games we can remember. You can't let a team like that get back into it because they were doing it on more offensive rebounds and just effort plays. Um, Troy got a nice block on Trey Anderson, but uh, Jace Carter got an offensive board, kicked it back up to Trey. Luckily, he missed it. We got him. JD got fouled, but they weren't in the bonus yet. Uh, or, excuse me, this is the point. This is 30-second. And it was funny because people were talking about it also, watching it on TV. But in the moment... When JD was in the game, uh, he got a defensive rebound up one after a miss, and he would immediately find Marcus. Like hot, like people were saying, a hot potato, uh, what the March to the Arch guys were saying. It was like a hot potato that he would immediately try to find Marcus. And Marcus went one of two from the line, 29. They took a timeout before Marcus made free throws after, after he got fouled, or before Marcus made free throws before he got fouled. And... One of two, you know, we missed the one. It was pretty quiet. I think there was someone screaming. Not sure where that was at. One of two from the line. So they go down, and uh, Marcus fouls Jace, which was just a terrible foul. And the one he didn't even have to do, he got pretty deep in there. Bad foul. And then he luckily went one of two from the line. So we had a possession. He could have tied it up by one. JD got a defensive rebound on that missed free throw. Foul Marcus again, thankfully. And Jaden Brownwell fouled him. He made both up three, Trey, and then Lance tries to shut him off uh, sideline about half court, gets a blocking foul called. I understand wanting to shut him off. You don't want to just, I mean, you can force him sideline. You know, that's not the worst thing in the world to do, but he tried to get in front of him, blocking foul. Trey missed, or he, he went to the free throw, free throw line for one and one. And this one we said, because JD was out of the game at this point. Troy came in, so it was Troy Marcus. And Noah was saying it a lot in the moment, you know, why are you why are we going small? Because you never know if he does miss, we got a rebound, which we hadn't been doing all game. And I remember saying in the moment, like, I, I'm sure Brian's trusting the fact that 
not only he trust Troy in that moment, but he trusts the fact that Trey Anderson was their best free throw shooter, which we talked about that. I think he was like 80-something percent, by far the best on the team. But his he made the first one, one-point game, and or two-point game, excuse me, and that ended up being the final score. But the second one, he missed pretty bad. He hit like the back of the rim, and it tipped around Lance. And, of course, Marcus and Troy let Skullball try to fight for it. And Lance goes down there, fights for it. He ends, they end up tipping it to one another, and Lance ends up tipping it out of bounds. They take like five minutes to review it. And not to mention, before they finally had the play, UIC called another timeout. So Yaklich had like five minutes to know what he wanted to do. And, you know, we're over here nervous as heck because we called it, you know, and it was a hostile moment of, you know, towards Brian, rightfully so, of you got burnt again. There were moments, Indiana State, in the same place at home, you allow you go small and it burns you, and it happened in this moment. Luckily, uh, out of all that timeout and all that time, and we're sweating over here, knowing that they're probably going to go for a three. They have nothing to lose. Why tie it and go to overtime? I guess they take their chances. You know, there are a lot of people standing up. So in the moment, thinking, I almost didn't even want to watch, knowing that they were going to force a three by Trey or somebody. And, you know, they try to get it in. The ball ends up on the floor somehow. So I guess give credit to our defense. So they didn't even get a shot off. And just absolutely pissed off at the end of the game about how we let up the lead, how, um, you know, how we let them back in the game, how you do, how you almost screw yourself on not getting the rebound. They get no attempt. And that, that shows you the team that they are, the fact that they can't even get an attempt. And that, like I said, kind of makes it to where, okay, our defense was just good in that moment, not even allowing it. But imagine if they did. And that's what everyone's saying after the game. Uh, is, oh, a win's a win. Okay, uh, so 68-66 win. Pouring down outside was before the game, still was after, just frustrated as heck. No one that's had SEMO vibes. We allow an easy offensive rebound watching a crappy shot go up, just watching offensive rebound kick back out to Chris Harris, who misses a three at the same spot. He literally just made one. And you escape, and you win by two. And... It, it had the exact same things, and we knew it at that time we weren't going to accept a SEMO loss. And obviously this time we were not going to accept a UIC loss by any stretch. And especially knowing, and I'll get to the game, we had one game in our favor at that time. So we knew with other teams winning, it just couldn't happen. People are saying win's a win. Obviously that's the case. But not this time of year when you have five games left and you don't want to be playing bad. And I'll get to maybe the only positive of what that can take, you know, moving forward is, you know, the adversity that you face in that game aside from just blowing them out. And that ties into we talk about net and if it matters at the end of the season. If you blow a team out, it helps your net. Only beat the 200-something, almost 300 net ranking, Ken Palm ranking team in UIC. Only beat them by two at home. That doesn't look good. But it's the adversity you face in that game, aside from just blowing a bad team out, facing the adversity going into your next game could benefit you. But I wouldn't imagine so. So, you know, clearly frustrated at the end of the game. Everybody should. You do want to escape with a win, and that is the main thing. But it's how you win. You know, no top team, I remember saying this tweet, no top team has a lull like this this late in the season. You don't want to. So that was the main thing after the game. Marcus ended up with 24 and 15 shots, 7 of 15, 8 of 9 from the line. Talked about how, you know, our martial arts guys were talking about, and, and and they're not wrong. You know, Marcus shoots free throws, we win. And we recall some games where, you know, recently he wasn't shooting a whole lot at all. But, you know, he had 32 against uh, Illinois State on the road, and I don't think he shot any, they said. So and so we, he was great. The team didn't win, but the, he was great, and the free throws weren't there. But I guess the whole point of it is when, we shoot, when he shoots free throws, we win. So that is what it is, and I'll get to a stat. He's now tied now for the best free throw percentage in the Valley, in Valley play. So eight of nine from there, five rebounds, six assists, one block, three turnovers, 35 minutes. X led us with 36 minutes, did have five turnovers. X has had a rough last couple games. Did have nine rebounds, though, led the team. Xavier Johnson, nine rebounds. That might be a career high. I'm not sure he did have three assists. One of three from the field. Did have that one three before the first half. Jawan only four points, one of one from the or one of two from the line. Did have the three himself. Five rebounds for Jawan. Need him to score more. That's the name of this all in 20 minutes. Need him to score more. That's bottom line. That's all you can really say. We just need more out of Jawan. He's he seems really passive at times. 
Uh, Clarence's three was the only points he had. Did have two blocks, two assists, and 12 minutes. Uh, and that obviously went down because of the emergence of Scotty in this game. Uh, Lance, 12, on only shot nine times. 0 for 5 from three, still struggling from three overall. Six of six from the free throw line, so that helped him. Uh, three rebounds, one assist, one block, five turnovers himself in 33 minutes. JD, six points, perfect from the field. Six rebounds, 21 minutes, had two steals and a block. So JD's just doing it all, absolutely doing it all. Scotty, eight points, four for four, one rebound in five minutes, one foul. Uh, and then Troy, six points, uh, two, for, two for three was good, three assists and fit in 20 minutes. Trent, 15 minutes, three fouls. Did have the two free throws, and then Dalton only played three minutes, got in foul trouble, had three fouls, didn't do anything. Uh, it had two turnovers with those fouls, so it was not a good game for Dalton. The main thing of this, though, is Scotty, because I went back to look, and he is uh, – I was going to look to see when he plays, besides the garbage time Missouri State, when, when Scotty plays, we usually win. And I went back because there's one game where we didn't out of the eight that he's played. Uh, Little Rock, we saw eight minutes of him, and he scored nine. He had nine and six, and obviously he got hurt. We didn't see him again till that Drake game where he only – he was his first game back, played one minute, didn't see him again. At Indiana State was a win, two minutes, and that one. Illinois State at home, five minutes. We know he had a great game, seven and three, had those key points at the end of the first half. At home against Evansville in that crazy game, five minutes there, had four points and two rebounds, two of five shooting, but then this one. Okay, so we had wins all up until at Illinois State. Only played three minutes, one for one, one of three from the line, uh, but we lost that game. So we are 7-1 and one in the eight games Scotty has had minutes in, and there's no doubt about it. He impacts it. We saw it in this game. No matter who it's against, he runs the floor, and he just creates chaos that the other team wouldn't be expecting. So that's the whole point of Scotty playing, and he needs to get – 10 to 15 minutes a game, you know, equal and JD is so great. It almost seems like Clarence needs to take a step back with minutes, but we know he can be valuable. He had a couple blocks. He has his moments, but I think we can trust Scotty and JD more than Clarence. That's why Clarence barely played in the second half when we saw Scotty and saw a lot of JD and then Troy at the five. So I think you can maybe still start Clarence, but over time you need to, you know, put Scotty and give him his minutes. I don't think that's too crazy to say. Uh, and then the other two games he played were the last two, and we won a total of eight minutes. And this one, he was so, so impactful. Um, so let's get to the box score of the biggest reason why we probably would have and almost lost. Okay, so they had 66 points on 64 shots, 34.4%, 8 of 23 from 3, 35% from 3 itself, 14 of 19 from the line. Got out-rebounded by Six total. So you say all those stats, you blew a team out if they shot all of those statistics and final and final stats. But the thing is, why they were still in the game? 13 offensive rebounds. We talked about, I think we had three in the first half, ended with three. They had 13 total defensive rebounds, 33 of uh, 17 them. So they lived off offensive boards, and they and we had 21 turnovers. They only had eight. 21 turnovers. 13 offensive rebounds. They scored 18 points off of our 21 turnovers. And a lot of that was in transition and stuff. So that was the name of it all. Because you say, like I said, a team that has those stats, you blow them out. And that it's crazy. You allow a team to shoot like that, but the only reason why they stayed in were the, the bad reasons of games, not defensive rebounding and turnovers. Those are the, literally the main two reasons why any team can, can lose – and you could throw free throws on top of that. We were 18 of 22 from the line, so 82%. Great. It was just all of that. So, I mean, we had 22 bench points, so there's six. We had only two more assists than they did. They had 18 fast break points, as I said. It was a big part of this game. They had 11 steals. So 21 turnovers, 11 of them were steals. Uh, and a lot of them were just us throwing it out of bounds or doing something. So kudos to them for having good defense at times, but I'd say it was a more of a lack of our, uh, you know, and Brian was asked after the game about turning it over as much as a veteran team. And I do think we knew it was a problem a lot the first half of the year. I thought we had been getting better at it, but gosh, not against teams like this. You can't turn it over that much. And like I said, credit to them. 
but not. And we talked about after the game, you know, Rodney Watson was praising UIC a lot for talented, and they are talented, but you see the 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 numbers they put up. That's why they lose is because they shoot terribly. But they can offensive rebound and they'll get after you to create and force turnovers. That's why they probably should have a little bit more wins than they do, but that, that's not the case. So, And we had more blocks than them. The top blocking team in the league against a bottom three blocking team in the league, 6-5. to five. So, like I said, the epitome of the performance you don't want down the stretch. I mean, that's that's the main junk of it all. Let me get into some quotes. Brian said, quote, we got the lead up to double figures, but give credit to UIC because they never quit playing. They were a lot of, there were a lot of things that went wrong for us over the last six or seven minutes of the game, and our guys still found a way to win. You have to win these type of games if you're trying to compete for a championship, and our guys were able to get stops down the stretch, and that was ultimately what won us the game, end quote. So, like I said, the only positive is adversity you faced at the end of a game, getting a defensive stop, and knowing you had – so many bad moments that you're able to end up with the win. We talked about how we ugly up a game, come back in a game, win close against other good teams. That's only positive to take from it because like, it's not a game you want to have going into the game you're going to tomorrow. So only positive. Other than that, terrible performance. Uh, frustrating performance, I should say. So that was the main of it. We could say Scotty was easily the dog of the game. You know, a lot of his impact were – like it was kind of like – Troy's in the Missouri State game where you could give it to him because of the uh, you know, the points he put up that kind of made it to the score that it was over the course of the second half. So Scotty's points kind of did that to us at times before he came out and we didn't see him again. So man, that was the main parts of this game. Like I said, outside of Scotty needs 10 to 15 minutes a game, it seems like, uh, you know, just turnovers and lack of situational defensive rebounding cost us. And the biggest things to take away at the end of this was we hit the over and preseason predicted win total. If you guys remember on the preview, Noah gave out a great number and we were and we agreed on it was 18 and a half wins. We talked about how, you know, the the kind of uh team we were picked to be and expected to be, a lot of people were expecting us and we've lived up to it to this point. Uh and 18 and a half was not crazy. We had been winning 16 total the last couple of years. So getting to 19 now with five games left, hitting the over, we've we've exceeded expectations or actually met the expectations so far. We know there's still we can get even more than that. So looking good in that regard. And then the other one is Marcus cracked 1,500 points in his career in 99 games. So before 100 games, he reached 1,500 points that is now 12th all time he passed sterling mahan he was already ahead of jermaine dearman i think unless my math's wrong yes he, he was just behind sterling mahan going into this game he's only three points behind gary wilson uh he'll be he'll if he does it and in, in the next game i'm just passing him he'll do it in eight less games seymour bryson though that's the number i'm picking potentially you never know 10 for seymour bryson and 100 games he had he could honestly, Marcus could match him in 100 games. Seymour Bryson at 15-29. That would mean Marcus would have to score 20 points to get to 15-30 and pass him in the same amount of games. Uh, you never know, but that is one of the biggest takeaways. Marcus, 1,500 points and not even 100 games. Lance in 112 games. He's at 14-27 after this game. He did. He's barely passed Wayne Abrams, Greg Sterick. He's only one behind Greg Starry. He'll be passing up Marcus Timmons and Jermaine Dearman here. He'll be getting to those guys here before long. So there were those, the final things. Uh, now let's – like I said, those are the main takeaways. I guess I could talk more about it, not need to talk more about it, about um, this kind of performance. It's one of those where you move on, but we get them at their place at the end of the year, and we talk about how, how much they played against us and came back at our place – Heaven knows what's going to happen at their place of the year when there could be a Valley title on the line. You just never know. So let me dive in now to the uh, scores that happened recently or on uh, Wednesday. And we know we hadn't talked about yet about the Tuesday game that was. And that was one we were talking about being excited for after we got off the pod. It wasn't that exciting. Drake beat Murray State 92-68. to You knew from the get-go this game was over. I mean, when they were up huge, it was the Tucker DeVries show. They were just outworking them. We know Murray, you know, is kind of lazadaisical, doesn't really have the effort sometimes, and that's what they were doing. And there were times in the game they caught it, got it to 10, I think, late first half or something, and end up losing by 24. That comes off when Murray 
lost to Indiana State by 36 and lose by 24 at home. It's unfortunate because I thought we hoping we were going to be the only home loss for Murray this year. But Drake got that done, like I said. From the get-go, you knew it was over. And Tucker had 30, 30 points with 18 or so minutes left in the game. And he only ended up with 32. I guess he didn't have to do a whole lot more. He was 10 of 16, 6 of 8 from 3. A lot of those threes were going down heat checks. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that crowd didn't know. That was a great crowd they had in that game, too. But it was a terrible performance by them. Roman had 18. Uh, okay. Okai had nine off the bench for them, led the way. Enright had seven. Sturts had 10. Wilkins and Brody combined for 12. Just a terrible performance from Murray. Great from Drake. Uh, Brian was their leading scorer. Brian Moore from Murray, 17. Jamari played well at times, had 11. So, <laughs> yeah, weren't really too excited about any getting to watch that one. So, on Wednesday, uh, Indiana State, who's riding hot right now. You know, there'll be a team scary down the stretch here. Talked about maybe their strength of schedule, whether that matters or not, but just the fact that they're also just hitting a stride. And granted, I'll get to it. They're doing it against, you know, so-called, you know, whatever teams and doing it at home. And they beat Valpo at home by 22. I think they led from beginning to end in this one. So now after winning six straight, I guess I'll get to it to the standings of uh, what Indiana State have been doing. So they won by 22. Evansville beat UNI for Evan. I should have ended with this one. Evansville's first conference win. Didn't think they'd get one. Noah was thinking they were because it was like, okay, they just have to. Uh, didn't think it was going to be the case, to be honest. They got close a couple times. But you knew it was going to be at home, and that was this game against UNI. Won by 12. I think the, the lead at one point got up to 16 at one point. They got Yeah, it was a 17-point game at half. Evansville was winning. You and I outscored them by five in the second, but they ended up winning by 12. Uh, Yassine Toomey had 15 and I think nine rebounds. Titan Anderson had 14 and I think 12. Bowen did not play well in this one. He had nine points on two of 11 shooting. Of course, in 35 minutes, he does that when he torches us. Uh, but he'll – Landon Wolf, who's up for all bench team and potentially sixth man of the year, had 14 and five for you and I. Uh, Betts had 10 in the start, and then you got Toomey 15, Bogue 12, Strawbridge 14, and Preston Phillips 10 off the bench. So Evansville getting their first win, uh, um, blanking on their name, or on their head coach's name, getting his first conference win. Great for him. It's great to see, honestly, and at least it wasn't us. You don't want to be the team that this happened for, and it was you and I on the road. I'll get into you and I struggles. Them and Indiana State are kind of going on opposite sides at this point now. Uh, Bradley won at Illinois State, was kind of one from the get-go. It was kind of one of those, as soon as the tip hit, Bradley won. Uh, they won by 18, not really a whole much to take from that. They sweep Illinois State in, this, in the uh, uh, 74 rivalry. And then this one, this was the one that helped, we talked about, was Missouri State getting a two-point win at home against Belmont. Donovan Clay returns, still no Brian Trimble. And what do you know, Brian, or what do you know, Donovan? 18, 6, and 5, and 39 minutes of the 40 so his sickness didn't matter with the stamina they only played seven guys chance Moore and nj benson off the bench only two uh kendall moore we know he'd been dealing with stuff too he shot 13 threes of his 15 total shots had 15 points himself like i said donovan with 18 in this first game back and he guarded ben shepherd and ben only had 14 on 15 shots so uh, Belmont's bench did okay. Uh, it was just really Ben with 14 and then Kay Tyson with 12. Uh, huge home win for Missouri State. I think it got dicey there near the end, but great performance for Missouri State getting that win. So now if I'm focusing at the standings, it looks like the top three still. Now the Belmont falls off, 11-4, and four, us, Drake, and Bradley. And then Belmont falls, like I said, with Indiana State to 10-5. and five. Indiana State, so they've won four straight after losing five straight after winning six straight. I mean, that's kind of the rocky road roller coaster season I guess you don't necessarily want. But nonetheless, they're back in the picture, and they're one loss away, us or Drake tomorrow or Bradley or any of these teams clearly, and they're a win away from jumping back up and being tied and fighting for a top four seed, obviously. So it's, they've been playing great. Like I said, Belmont fell. They've lost, I think, three or four now. Um so, obviously, that's not ideal for them falling to where they are. Missouri State with that win. They're 9-6 and six right behind them. I, they've lost four straight games now. UNI, UNI and Indiana State going opposite directions. I now 8-7, and seven, and so is Murray at 8-7. and seven. 
uh, just the worst performances you can ever think. I, and we listened to Jeff Bidwell of the Murray State Pod, and he said that these are their last you – know, the last two losses have been their worst in like 60, 70 years just about. So historical losses historical losses for the Racers recently, propelling them to 8-7. and seven. Illinois State 5-10, and 10, Valpo 4-11. and 11. So no one's – the last four, no one's the same. 5-10, and 4-11, Valpo 2-13. UIC and now one and fourteen, Evansville. So, you know, and it was mentioned on March of the Arch. Just thinking about, uh, you know, certain correct uh, facts is the fact that down the stretch here now, ever so important. You'll know after this week of games, whether it's tomorrow's games or this weekend's games, and then early next week, you'll know how the standings will probably shape up at that point with only five left. That's two of the five. You just never know. Still can play out, but you'll get a really better idea down the stretch here. There were, um, there were seating probabilities. You know, we went through them the last time I, you know, usually when I go through them and just glance through them, uh, we are projected at the end of the season to be the three still Drake or Bradley at the one Drake at the two. Uh, let's see here. Belmont four. Uh, Indiana State, five. They're going to be fighting for those spots. Indiana State, like I said, is going to be fighting for the top four. Missouri State, six. Murray, seven. UNI, eight. And then the last four following for what they are in the standings. Uh, let's see. And then, so that's how that is. And then I mentioned how uh, not a whole lot. There's no brackets. We're not on any. Drake's on almost all of them, on all the updated ones. So that's the only thing to take from a net. Who cares? Net, because like I said, we only beat UIC by two. The net's going to drop us a little bit. I think we're in the 120s. It's funny because I was going back, and at the end of last season, there was a tweet about our highest Kempom rating since 2008, and it was 121. We're now like at 123. So talk about the similarities and differences of this year and last year's team is, and I looked it up earlier, we score more points than we did last year. We allow less points. It's close. Allow less points than we did last year by point percentage points. And we're worse, Kempom, right now at, at 19-7 and seven than we were at whatever our record was last year and 11-4 and four in conference. It's unreal how all this plays out. We know all the other analytical parts of it. That was just crazy that finding that finding out about that. So it is what it is. You know, like I said, net is the last thing according to, and we saved it. I don't think we've talked about it yet, is how the Valley is going to, I thought I saved it, how the uh, Valley is going to go about um, the tiebreakers and such. And I, I want to say we liked it recently. I want to say people were also uh, tweeting about it recently. Let me try to go find it. Uh, so... Yeah, let me talk about this real fast. So head-to-head of the tiebreakers is always going to be the main thing. After that, it says if three or more teams are tied, regular season competition among the tied teams shall be pooled into a mini round robin. So clearly if us, Drake, and Bradley finish a top three, then they play out of who did what against two. I'm sure margin of victory plays into that, and they kind of tie it into it as well. A whole thing that we saved and probably should have retweeted. I think we might have. I thought I saved it. But for you guys to know, that's the main gist of that. And then C, compare each tied team's winning percentage against the team occupying the highest position in the final regular season standings. So that's whenever winning percentage comes into play. And factoring in 2-0 and 1-0 and would be the same as 0-1 and 0-2, and and etc. All that kind of stuff. And then D is the NCAA net. So that's the last thing. We talked about if we end up getting... Um, you know, tied with those teams, Bradley and Drake are still going to end up with better nets than us at the end of the season. So don't really want to get it to net. So, but at the end of the day, if we end up tying with both those guys, we're probably going to end up third, even though right now we're at first. So obviously if you just take care of your business, then maybe it won't matter. But if it is tied, it's not looking in our favor. If you split, because that's if everybody splits with one another. You know, if we lose to Drake, we split. If we beat Bradley at home, we split. And then Drake and Bradley play at the end of the year. If Bradley beats them and uh, Carver, they split. So if, if there's splits are tied to all this, then the then the net definitely comes into account at the very end. And that's whenever we'll lose out to those two teams by the end of it. So I want to touch on that. Uh, the MVC ranks by year. This was Jeff, who's an SIU fan. I want to give him credit. He had it yesterday. By the years of ranked Missouri Valley Conference by Kempom adjusted efficiency and all that stuff. Negative 0.97 this year. That is the 15th ranked mid-major this year. Or, sorry, overall conference. Awful. 
last year because they were better top teams and had better resumes and were better and all that stuff. Eleventh year before that, tenth and eleventh, and it was you know it got up. Ninth was the highest in eighteen, and it was also nine in twenty thirteen. So it's been around ten, but fifteenth this year, which is crazy because you think yeah the Missouri Valley is by far one of the best mid majors in the country at least, and one of the top conferences overall. People know about it and stuff, but the facts and the stats aren't backing it up. Fifteenth, terrible. Wanted to touch on that, and I think that's it. So. Um, that's where everything stands right now. Let me talk about now some recent news around the league. And, you know, I, I want to mention this because it's a report out there and there's articles. It's not like, you know, we're talking about stuff that we're just, you know, speculating on. But it came out yesterday by Wyatt Wheeler of the Springfield News Leader about Dana Ford accused of groping woman at charity golf events. Like I said, we're going to talk about it because it's an article and it's, it's, it's notable not knowing if Dana, you know, it's going to be, and I think he said that this was updated about, uh, you're updated today about Dana releasing, releasing a statement on it. And, um, it's a whole big article and I'll get into it here in a second. I want to say he did have something. It was just a big old thing, but he was accused around September at a golf event about it and it came out of nowhere. So, you know, obviously that's coming into effect. Like I said, he, he, he had a statement, uh, and they, you know, like I said, coming allegations against him from September. And that's when the news leader was found out about it. And Wyatt Wheeler, who is a great, does great work for them, came out with this. So it's worth mentioning because you just never know how this can affect the team who just had a big win. You know, how they move forward in the race with or without him, not sure. And nothing's proven. He's still going to be coaching. But that is kind of a cloud hanging over them now. The people have been talking about and it makes sense it's worth mentioning though because that is noteworthy news that's brought to the public so we're not gonna we're not gonna go away from you know talking about it and i was honestly i'm not gonna go into deep deeper things about it. i just wanted to mention it and wanted to get the specifics of what happened because it is stuff that needs to be mentioned like i said for a team coming off a big win how it can affect them moving forward so definitely wanted to touch on that now to the other big news is finding out about this today is uh Malavi Leones, who you know he's a huge part of what Bradley's doing. There, this article speaks five languages. Just the ever, I think they call it been calling him the captain, or he's just he's great. And now, apparently, he just announced randomly that he's coming back for his fifth year, which we talk about. It'll be a big thing for us about fifth years next year. We'll get into that more as by the end of the season, but they're announcing it now. And according to the journal Star Bradley by Dave Eminian, uh, talking about it, said that his future here with Bradley includes a shoe line and then the pro game, the pro game and a return to Peoria. Uh, Malibai said, I'm staying. I will be here at Bradley next season using my fifth year. It's important for me to finish and get that extra season. I want to play professional basketball. I think my development as a player at Bradley is helping me toward that dream. I'm learning to play basketball. It has all of his stats and stuff. And Brian Wardle said his versatility is unique. He can guard one through five. I just love how he's improving with his discipline off the ball. End quote. So it's talking about all the all the stuff we already know about Malibai, but it is obviously important news knowing he, he'd be taking his fifth year. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's one of the most impactful players in the league. Big time notable. Going to talk about it. No doubt about it. So that was the biggest news of the day. Like I said, the Dana Ford news happened yesterday. So we'll keep an eye. Like I said, our fifth year, guys, that's going to be worth talking about near the end of the season. Uh, but not now. While we're fighting for a regular season title, don't want to worry about it. So. Not too much on the pro Salukis now. Uh, I did want to look, actually, because Cash was finally playing for them. Yesterday they had a day game, uh, and Cash played four minutes. Didn't have a layup, I saw. He had four points in four minutes, uh, one rebound, one assist, two or four from the field. Kavion hasn't been playing because the Nets really haven't been playing. Like I said, it's nearing the uh, all-star break for the NBA as well as the G League, so not a whole lot, and then nothing – with Barrett Benson, no recent games for him to talk about. Uh, Kennard, which I don't have any, obviously, stats. I don't believe clearly he plays through the week. We last talked about him at O'Fallon, his performance, his great performance. Uh, but I saw and I looked up, Vashon is uh, playing and hosting East St. Louis tomorrow night. Uh, they made a tweet about it, apparently. Uh, for the E and East St. Louis, they had an X for every time they used an E in this and this tweet, which is cool, they're talking about getting tickets for it. I'm sure it's going to be a big 
I'm not going to say rivalry game because Vachon's not in the same conference, clearly, as East St. Louis. They're in there with Collinsville, Edwardsville, Alton, and teams like that. But, you know, apparently it's kind of a rivalry school. So uh, it's a border war, they're saying. So they play them tomorrow night. So on the next pod, we'll have hopefully some stats and reports of how we did. They're riding hot after that previous weekend win. So now let me talk about the, the upcoming games with ours this weekend before we get into our game, and that is Indiana State going at Northern Iowa. They actually played recently. Indiana State beat them in Terre Haute. Now they're going to Cedar Falls. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I want to say, like I said, two teams going on the opposite sides of the spectrum. People talk about Indiana State's schedule. It starts with this one. You know, Indiana Northern Iowa is struggling. They are at home. I think you and I gets the job done here. I think it's a really close game. Uh, no spread on any of these, not even ours. I'll go ahead and say that. Not even on ours yet. Uh, no spread on this one, but I'll take Northern Iowa to get the home win. It'd be nice for them, too, to get Indiana State off our back a little bit. Uh, UIC at Belmont. Maybe UIC can take this. Um, you know, and Imagine, I'm sure they stayed down here. From here, they went tra- prior to Nashville. Uh, didn't go back to Chicago, obviously. Prepared for the road, the full road trip. Uh, I expect Belmont to get that win. Probably, I'd say big. You never know. They've been, like I said, losing three of four. Maybe they can get off the schneid. UIC carrying that momentum, though. You never know. I'll take Belmont at home. An interesting one here. Murray beat Bradley, as we know, and Murray a couple months back. But now they're at Carver Arena. And knowing the way Murray has been playing, surely they can't keep playing like the way they are. But it's Bradley. And they didn't have Jamari last time they beat Bradley. And... You know, Bradley's not, you know, going to blow you away offensively like Drake and Indiana State will. So that's where Murray had those lulls defensively. I think Murray can play hard and play with Bradley here. How enormous would this win be? You know, it's not an easy matchup for Bradley. No matter how they play at home, you play, you keep it ugly like we did against them, and you can fight with them there. Just they're, they're able to finish. So I'm going to pick – I'm actually going to just pick Murray to win. We need them to, and I think they actually do have a chance. So we need them to, and I and I want them to, so I'm picking them. And then Illinois State at Valpo, a game that doesn't really matter to the standings in our regard, but definitely for their regard in terms of fighting for what. That's an interesting game. I'll take Valpo winning at home against Illinois State, though. That is the nightcap tomorrow at 6 o'clock. And on Sunday, Missouri State getting back-to-back Sunday standalone games. They are in Evansville. Evansville riding that win. Missouri State, though, with Dylan Clay. Not sure about Trimble. I just talked about uh, Dana Ford's situation on the road in Evansville. Uh, I Even with all that going on and Evansville riding, whatever, I think Missouri State still gets this win. Wonder what, interesting what the spread would be for that game. I'm picking Missouri State to win that game, though. Uh, so there are those games. And then now, here at the end in this episode, let's talk about our second matchup with the Drake Bulldogs. Uh, Mike had previously talked to uh, Darren DeVries, and uh, I'll jump into that near the end. Wasn't a whole lot to take from it, just talking about, you know, where, I guess we'll talk about it now, what the teams, you know, since the last time they played five weeks ago to where both teams are now. Obviously, Drake is on fire. Uh, you know, we've, I'm not going to go through, you know, what they had been doing to this point. Uh Obviously, you know, we talk about it every time we go through certain games, how it happened. This game is on ESPNU, so it's a big one. Hoping to get off work, to come home and watch it before a 1 o'clock game. Um, This is the 102nd meeting now between us two. We lead the all-time series 61-40. to We snapped a five-game skid to them when we beat them on the fourth at home in that crazy game when we came back huge. We're 23-26 and against them in Des Moines, though, and Brian is 3-5 and in his career against them. It's funny because... Darren got the job right before Brian did, and ever since Darren took over, he's had 21 seasons. That previous win against Murray gave him 20, five straight years. It's funny because we look back at um, what they did previously because they did have those bad seasons at the end of Nico Medved's tenure before he went to Colorado State, and ever since Darren took over, you know he's he's done amazing things for them and. We look back, and he, we know he played at Northern Iowa, and I went back. He was a 1,000-point scorer at UNI for four years back in the 90s. So uh, it's ironic because now he's coaching against him, and it's a rival. We talked about those guys staying up there in those Iowa areas, and 
We know he was on Creighton staff before and, you know, going around and be, you know, staying there. And he's done a good enough job. We talked about to maybe getting looks from other opportunities, but we mentioned maybe he wants to stay home unless Iowa or Iowa State open up. He's not going anywhere. Um, so, yeah, we don't play well there. We, we do know the matchups with them last year were really tight. Should have beat them at our place. Crapped the bet on the final possession. Had a crazy fought game at their place at the end of the regular season. And then we know we played them on Friday in Arch Madness and lost a close one. So we lost to them three straight times last year. Finally got the win. So it's good, just good knowing we have the split at least. And, you know, obviously, even if they beat us, clearly they're in first place. We're not. If we can keep it close. But uh, just the fact that we know we're not going to get swept and it's like a must-win kind of thing. You want to win, and it seems like a must-win. I'm not acting like it's not, but at least you know you'll split with them even if you don't. If you sweep them, how enormous would that be? So I mentioned ESPNU game. Let's talk about, obviously, some more of their personnel and what they had been doing previously. I mean, the main one to talk about is their whole team. I got, I talked about previous games, but, you know, they're on a, they're on a winning streak here. I want to say their last game they lost was at home against Missouri State. They Killed Evansville, beat Indiana State by two at home, won at Belmont by 18. That was a crazy one. Beat UNI by seven in double overtime. Like we said, the back-to-back double OT games, when all that traveling they had to do on short rest, short sleep, and then made the trip to Murray and blew them out. So they've kind of hit the, yeah, you can play with them. It'll be a game in the 80s and double overtime. not saying we'll be able to do that. We haven't scored 80 a whole lot this season at all. Uh, but then they'll go and grant him, like I said, Murray is not a good defensive defensive team, but they are a great home team. So that's where they come out offensively. And there's honestly end up being nothing you can do about it. But that's why we got the best of them in the previous game. Like I said, they were up huge on us. We stormed back, and obviously Marcus had our last 15. Marcus and Lance had our last 20. Uh, and Marcus had that huge three to give us, I think, what was a four-point lead at that one point when we were up by one, or I think that gave us the lead, actually, and gave us up by two. I'm not sure exactly, but huge shot, and we were able to win that one in a close game. So the thing is with that previous game, though, was the fact that Roman Penn was awful in that game, and we can't expect him to be that way because he's not playing bad now. He's playing really good. Uh, he's not playing bad anymore. He had two points. He was one of 15 that game in 39 of 40 minutes. Just throwing up bad shots, over three from three. He was assisting and rebounding, but he wasn't doing a whole lot else, everything that they needed. We know Connor Enright's been playing better for them. He'll, he'll make threes, and he's a good backup point guard for them. Calhoun's coming off the bench, not really doing a whole lot. Shooting 39% on the season. He's kind of been underwhelming. He'd be on the all-underwhelming team if we were picking one. Um He's had a couple games where he's dropped 16 against Murray and Bradley, but other than that, he's had a total of 12 points the last four games. Off the bench, they probably need a little bit more than that. So they're bent, so they're you know at that point they were playing Calhoun, Enright, and Northweather off the bench, but in their previous games, uh, they've been rocking with uh, a pretty big bench because you know a lot of guys got in because of the blowout, but uh, really they've been playing. Th- you know, Ferguson, Enright, Calhoun, Okai a little bit more than Burns and Northweather right now, but they'll ro- really just roll with a lot of their main guys getting all the minutes. And the biggest thing of all to take away from how they're playing as a team is how well Tucker DeVries is playing individually. Uh, back-to-back 32-point games. He's kind of been – we know he missed a game with the uh, the Belmont game where they won in Nashville without him with the uh, uh, infection. Ever since then, he's came back and been great. I think it was the UNI game. He only had 11. But like I said, back-to-back 32-point games. He was in the 20s before that, around that. He only had – he did not play well against us. He had 11 on 2 of 6 shooting from 3, 4 of 13 overall. Uh, we know Lance did a great job on him. Expect that again, hopefully. But he's in such a groove, maybe nobody can do anything about it. Um but he, he's making them go. He's hitting the tough shots. He's proven why clearly he was a preseason player of the year. Uh, and honestly, expect him to keep playing that way unless our DPOY Lance Jones has something to do about it. Uh, but the thing is with Tucker is that I noticed he has 993 career points, only seven points away already from reaching 1,000 as a sophomore. He's going to get seven points in this game, we'd like to think. Hopefully not. But that that's crazy. We were I, I was, earlier. I was trying to compare him and Marcus's 
uh, careers. You know, Marcus got a thousand late in the season last year at Indiana State. We know with his injury, he's done it. He's only played in 99 games. Tucker has played in 61 games. I think that's interesting, actually. It's getting, it's getting, I think Marcus maybe did it in about 70 games, getting a thousand points, which is interesting. So, you know, we know Marcus was great from the get go. Tucker has been heralded since the beginning. So, uh, you know, Tucker, if he stayed, we talked about it, pro potential. He's going to have looks after the season, or if he leaves for a bigger school, he's going to break the Drake all-time scoring record, which we which we looked earlier is Reed Timmer at 2,000 on the dot. If he plays four years here, he's easily going to get four. He's easily going to get 2,000 points. He's already at 1,000 now. Um, even you count postseason games, you know, if they do what they want to do and what everyone's expecting them to, they're going to play in the postseason and play a couple extra games, and he'll score in those. So, the number is going to get there no matter where it goes, but he's going to get NBA looks. He might not finish his whole career in college. So that's all we can hope for, but he is just absolutely on fire. Um, you know, his numbers, he, he's, he's, he's expecting to get better every season. He's going to crush. I say crush. He's about to pass all the numbers he had last year. So the way he's playing, you never know. Like I said, Roman Penn's playing a lot better than he did last time we played them. Okai shooting off the bench. I mean, they're only going to play probably about eight or nine guys, so and we need to match that and even more. So, like I said, if they're rolling on offense, there's really nothing you can do about it. Sturts is still rebounding at a high clip at seven a game. Talk about Brody's played. If you're about most improved, you could put Brody on most improved team. He's averaging nine and seven. Uh, but he was getting easy blocks against Murray the other night, and he's shooting over 50% with ease. He's just a, he's a problem as – they all are. Uh, the matchup predictor has them going 80% to our 19%. Uh, okay, here. Actually, as we speak, as as it's updated now, six-and-a-half-point underdogs we are tomorrow, 1 o'clock. That's actually not too crazy the way they're playing, the kind of the, how the, we've been playing a little bit. That's not too crazy. I think that's what we would have predicted. When Noah and I talked, I think I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's above five, but it is six-and-a-half. Uh, like we said, with – with margin of victory, margin of loss, we need to keep this one, but you know, within ten points, I think we'll do that. I want to say we can cover six and a half. Like I said, we've been playing good against in the last five games, and even though way they're playing, like I said, the adversity we had last game can hopefully help us in this one. I'll take us plus six and a half, and I'm going to pick us to win because if I'm being, you know, obviously the honesty makes me think Drake, but just imagining how big this win can be, because I think we can do it. We've been a good road team this year for the most part. Um, like I said, it's about how hot a team is. Everyone preaches how you're playing in February, and they're playing a lot better than we are right now, and they're on that winning streak. So clearly I can see us losing and splitting with this, and I'm sure Noah would pick us to lose. And like I said, I'd be right there with them, but I'm going to pick us to win because I really want us to and how enormous it would be being in sole possession of first, depending upon what happens with Bradley and sweeping Drake. I mean, Missouri State swept Drake, so it's possible, and we already have the game on them, plus six and a half and the win. I'll pick us. Um, and then Noah had X as the dog of the game. He said he needs to keep with Roman. Roman and Roman's the difference maker. Played, he was the reason they lost because he played so bad. If he plays a little bit better than that, they beat us. So if he's playing well, you can honestly – if he's playing well, you know everyone else is relatively playing well because he's distributing, doing all that as the Drake all-time leading assist guy. If he's playing well, we're not going to win. So that's the whole thing. Make him play bad. Make him force tough shots. You know, hopefully we can – we should see Scotty in this game against Brody. There's no doubt about it. Make it a little bit hard on him. We're going to see the same starting five. going to see a lot of JD on Brody. Need to match their efficiency on the bench, the little that they have. Dalton for Enright. Uh uh, Troy, I guess, with, you know, Troy is going to be matched up a lot with Sturge. Sturge is going to be on Marcus. And this is where Noah and I, I'm glad we kind of disagree on who's more um, uh, dangerous in our in both of our eyes. And he thinks it's Bradley because of what we saw with Marcus only shooting five times and playing scared against Bradley compared to, he said, with Drake. Uh, you know, outside of Sturge, they got nobody that can guard Marcus if he took advantage of matchups and stuff. So, that's honestly no doubt a fair point. And my point was how awful we felt like we played at Bradley, but it was literally neck and neck all game until the end, um, knowing that if you play ugly with Bradley, they're not going to wow you in points, like I said, in scoring. You're able to play with them maybe can if things go your way at the end. 
But Drake can just pile it on you, and there's nothing you can do about it, even at being a great defensive team. So that's the difference. Like I said, I'm glad we agree. I think both points make sense. Um, and like he said, X is going to have to be big on pin in this game. And X has kind of been playing not too well, so we need him to bounce back in this one. And I think I will go with Lance because Tucker, the way he's playing also, Lance was amazing against him in the last game. Need Lance to play that kind of defense again. Shoot better. Do everything. He clearly just needs to play better. You can go with Marcus. Marcus needs to get to 10th all-time in scoring and get 20 points in this game because uh, I don't think they really have an answer for him. If you have Sturts on him, he needs to take advantage of it. I think Jay Sean Henry is the only one in the world he's scared of, so uh, that's in due time when we play Bradley again, but uh, need to take advantage of more things. Need every, We need a full team effort. Haven't still barely gotten 40-minute 40 40 games. We're not going to get one in this one. We're going to have lulls, but we need to sustain. Drake's got a really good defense, but just be efficient on offense and give it to Marcus. Just let him try to take over. So he's the third dog of the game with our guards. Lance on Tucker, X on Roman. That's the difference. And I mentioned our three bigs on uh, Brody. Make it hard. And Troy coming in. Playing hard against, if whether it's Ferguson at Northweather plays, but definitely Troy playing hard on Sturts. And then when Jawan to score to match some type of Calhoun, some type of, obviously, DJ Wilkins. So And that's going to be Jawan's matchup is DJ Wilkins tomorrow. So those are our dogs. And I'm, uh, you know, this, I talk about it a lot. These wins can go a long way. Five games left. You win at Drake, sweep them for the season. Holy heck. Uh, what that could do for us in net and everything. If we beat Drake, we'll be right back into the conversations for bracketologies and stuff. So if you beat this hot team, obviously it can go a very, very long way. And because it's vital, you know, obviously if you lose this one, it's not the end of the world. You know, because we said this is the game. If you win it, you have a really good shot of winning the league. If you lose it, it goes down a little bit unless Drake drops one and Bradley drops one and you end up tied. And that's the whole scenario I mentioned earlier. But you're at Valpo next, and that's not going to be easy. So you need this win, hoping we can get it. You just never know. Uh, gosh, but, you know, I expect us to play well. We need to play well. ESPNU, you know, people are me watching it. need to put up a good performance. Like I said, our matchups with them have been good the last five. It's just knowing how well they're playing if we can, you know, get these stops and match them on offense at times and just kind of ugly it up. That's how we can win. That's how we've won a lot of our games is ugling the game up. If we get this win, just imagine what it could look like down the stretch to make it even more prettier to try to win a regular season title. So looking forward to, like I said, one o'clock ESPNU, six and a half point dogs. Everybody should be watching. Hopefully, like I said, we'll try to get off work enough time to watch it. We know it's a an awesome sports weekend, so imagine how this could jumpstart it all tomorrow at one o'clock if we get the win on this on beginning this road trip and how how far this could take us with a win. So hope you guys enjoyed the coverage and the preview. Looking for the sweep of the Drake Bulldogs tomorrow afternoon. Looking forward to it. Keep up with our tweets. Like, subscribe, do everything with our podcast, with our tweets, everything. Looking forward to talking about it tomorrow. Hopefully we can get the dub. Until next time, until next week, go dogs.